Billy, James, and Penny, the Holy Trinity, some have called them, the keepers of the keys of culture, the film critics, uh, film critic, the smartest human beings who chose to talk about movies today. Thank you for joining in again, if you've ever heard us, and if not, thank you for joining for the first time. We are here to talk about a movie that all of us have very, very strong opinions on, and I won't spoil anyone's. Uh, Billy, Penny, and James, just to reiterate our wonderful names. Uh, and let's get right into it. Your Name, 2016 film. Uh, James, how are you? Uh, I am great. Even better after watching this movie. Um, so I went into this movie thinking... I never watched an anime movie. I've watched anime before. Never watched an anime movie before. And uh, so I went in with a little, you know, trepidation, and uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my rating. You know, I think I'm gonna throw out a hot take right off the bat. I think that this is one of, if not the best singular movie I have ever seen in my life. Wow. Um, I think it is. I even wrote down in my notes, damn near perfect. Um. I'm giving it a 9.75 out of 10 with five being completely even mediocre, not good or bad. Uh, 10 being basically perfect and zero being like less than worthless. Excuse me. Well, now to turn it over to the genius behind this whole shebang, the machine that is who asked the podcast, Penny Peeper, who suggested this incredible movie. Talk to us a little bit, Penny, please. Okay, so this all started when <laughs> Billy and I were in Discord together. I kid you not. And we were playing with, um, you know, the music in the background. And I remembered, if anybody's ever heard of Radwimps, um, they did the music for the whole movie. Uh, they have awesome music. It's beautiful. It really complements the movie. But um, I played a song by them, and it hit me. I was like, you guys, our next movie, it has to be your name. Yep, absolutely. Because I'm gonna have to agree with James. It's it's probably the best movie I've ever seen. Um, if you guys remember from the first episode, I'm not really a movie watcher, so take that with a grain of salt. But um, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, your name, directed by, <laughs> I'm gonna mess this up. I just know I'm gonna mess it <laughs> up. Uh, Makoto Shinkai, released in 2016. Um, it is now the highest grossing anime movie of all time, which replaced Spirited Away as number one. Crazy but, thing is he wrote the book, too. The director and writer of the movie wrote the book as well. Yeah, and I find it interesting. Some of his inspiration I found, um, if you guys have watched Interstellar, which who hasn't? Um, he drew a yeah. lot of inspiration from Interstellar, which you would kind of get if you watch this movie. It's very interesting you say that because Interstellar was the singular movie that I I uh, talked about in my notes as being the one of the only other movies to rival this. That's amazing. Um, in in complexity and uh, quality at the same time. So very weird. So I give it a great rating as well. Nine. Point nine out of 10, I'll say, because I don't want to give it 10 out of 10. Uh, Billy, do you want to give your rating? Yeah, absolutely. This movie's up there with everything you guys are saying. I haven't thought long and hard about this number I'm about to throw out, so <laughs> I don't want to hear like too much blowback from it, but I'll just throw it with, I'll throw it a full 10 out of 10. I think it's a, awesome. I, I think it's a great movie. I think it's a well-made, structured, and just in general, like paced movie. I think pacing is super important for films. Mm -hmm more so than anyone can understand unless they've taken like true time to master like how people write movies that like that's when you truly understand how big the pacing is the movie that i compared this to is um mr nobody with jared leto in it which is like a movie that just got no good publicity when it came out but it deals very similarly with threads of time and 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 it's a very very different movie primarily because it's you know not drawn it's it's not an animated film but neither is interstellar so i guess that's kind of irrelevant but they, they all deal with very similar themes and content and to varying degrees i would i would honestly say your name is the best of those three movies that i've seen and those three movies have all been highly enjoyable experiences for me 
Okay, so I'm going to give a, a quick spoiler-free summary, um, and we're going to strongly recommend that you go and watch this movie before continuing on with our thoughts, because it's going to get really complex. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm just going to read something from Borrowing Tape, the website borrowingtape.com. So Your Name is an anime teen romance, also known as Kimi no Nawa in Japanese, directed by Makoto Shinkai. It tells the story of two teenagers who have never met before, bound together through their dreams. It focuses on two characters, Taki, a teenage boy from Tokyo, and Mitsuha, a teenage girl from a small provincial town. Taki wants to impress a cute girl at work, and Mitsuha is desperate to escape to the big city, away from the taunts of her classmates and high, high expectations of her father. It all seems very familiar, uh, but the two protagonists find, without ever having met each other before, that they are sw swapping lives during their dreams. And this is handled beautifully with such charm, particularly in the first half of the film, the way the characters interact through, through diary entries and notebooks and their attempts to fit into each other's lives is honestly, oh my God. You got, you got a cat going over there, Fetty? What's that cat's name? We are two for Crazy. two with cats in the episode. <laughs> okay. Adorable. So the way the characters interact through diary entries and notebooks uh, and their attempts to fit into each other's lives is honestly, if awkward at times, hilarious. Um, the excellent pacing of the film's first half adds to the sense of fun and hilarity. Okay, that was it. <laughs> Good stuff. I just, I can't believe how, um, <clears throat> I can't believe how different the two halves of this movie feel, and they're both so good. Yes. Okay, so spoiler I... alert. Major spoiler alert. Go watch the movie. Yeah, watch the movie. If you haven't watched the movie, stop now. For sure. And now that we have told them that and given people enough time, I think we can jump right into uh, our thoughts. Um, with what Billy was just saying, uh, I, I mentally broke this movie up into three parts. Um, I broke yeah, this. That, those into... are called acts. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know. Um, I wrote down the three acts in my notes. Um, I think that, uh, the logical three acts to me, um, were being united in the first place. So like the first, like third of the movie. Um, and then the second third is, uh, almost like the investigation of like, uh, Mitsuha being like cut off from, uh, Taki and, uh, like trying to find out what happened. Uh, and then I would say the final third is after the, uh, sake drink and the twilight of trying to change the past. Um, and I truly did not see any of those three like like twists leading into the three acts happening at all like each act took me completely by surprise but at the same time did not feel shoehorned or or forced in there i don't know like like you said the pacing is just so so well and it like seamlessly blends the acts together yeah absolutely god i just i did definitely did get slightly distracted in the like back third half of this movie and even even so like it just made me want to go back so that i don't miss any of the frames of this film at all because every second of it is so beautiful it's yeah i will say sorry <laughs> no it's just truly such a phenomenally made art wise the art is incredible is all i was gonna say so i think i'm the only one here that has seen the movie more than once i've seen it five times now uh which you, you really need to watch it at least twice to grasp everything that's going on. It's got such, so many hidden meanings involved. Um, one thing that I did catch um, towards the end is um, I realized at the beginning, there's a scene, uh, I believe during one of the opening montages of Taki putting the, uh, the braid, the braided cord around his wrist at the same time that Mitsuha is tying it around her head. And um, obviously at the beginning of the movie, you have no idea, you know, the connection or, or, you know, that it's the same, it's the same cord. Yeah. Um, and I think like you said, Penny, like a second watch, I'm, I'm going to watch it a second time this week. Um, but a second watch is going to like, it's going to just put puzzle pieces together. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, when this movie first started, I actually have a note that was like, after they show Taki for the first time, and it's clear that each of these are the the like mental characters of the people we're seeing in each other's bodies, like waking up, this little girl waking up in this boy's body, and then this boy waking up in this girl's body beforehand. I was like, oh, this is like a trans coming of age story was my immediate note. Because I was like, that's going to be like the the sort of like an like analogy of this whole film and in reality it becomes like a much i feel like it takes much more from just like japanese culture in general and this whole like sort of relationship between japanese men and women that i feel like goes on in their country and their society um one thing i know penny had mentioned radwimps is the uh the artist of this original soundtrack yeah um i generally do not notice or care about music in any movie with the exception being um, like the original star Wars movies. Um, <laughs> again, them being exceptional. Um, but Oh my God, was this music not only was, are the songs by themselves standalone amazing. I've been listening to the album nonstop since Saturday when, um, <laughs> when I watched the movie but in the movie, they are so impactful. Not a single song, not a single one is there just to have noise in the background. Every single song fits perfectly with what's happening and helps tell the story. And uh, I, I was absolutely enamored by the original soundtrack. It's phenomenal. It, does, it really does flow well, too, because, you know, they, they did the whole entire movie soundtrack. Um, and if you don't know, they have written and sung all of the songs in Japanese and English as well for the English dub version. That's awesome. That's impressive. Yeah. I think we should say I watched the um, the subtitled version. I watched it in Japanese with English subtitles. Um, I know Penny and I had discussed the differences because I believe the first time she saw it uh, was English. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted a more um original experience i guess uh, i'm not really a fan of dubs um yeah we debated about this for a little bit um i was always an english dubbed girl just because you know why why do i want to sit there and read subtitles while watching a movie <laughs> but i did purchase the japanese version to watch you know with billy and it was great i mean it does add it kind of adds to it and it's it's really not that hard to read off the captions but (laughs) i don't know it was also like the third time i saw it so i think having seen the movie now the entirety of like mitsuha's traditional shinto sort of storyline and the grandmother and that town in general i feel like it does like you just said i totally agree that it adds to the movie to be getting that in the japanese and like sort of just like feeling that gen- genuine culture yeah. as it's coming through. Cause the culture is such an important part of that exactly. story. Like she's a little Shinto princess. She's amazing. Yeah. Uh, she, she's one of the, that. she's easily my favorite. I liked her way more than Taki and it wasn't even close. So um, the, the spiritual but- and cultural stuff, the spiritual stuff really is the backbone of this movie and kind of what ties it all together. So what were you going to say, James? Um, I was going to say the, um, th- this is more one of my meta things that I think, uh, when I, when I watch movies, uh, I do suspend my disbelief, but also it never really goes away. And, uh, one of the things that I, uh, I wrote down about how well this movie handled its, uh, fantastical elements is, is, is how I described it is, um, the, the different Shinto religious deity and implications, including the body switching and the Musubi time, are like the perfect amount of like fantastical and magical elements in the movie. Not to like overload you of like, oh, we're in like a different universe where magic is common. Um, and it's like, it's, it's just enough of them to make it feel special. And on the other side they were explained the perfect amount. Um, so like we got enough information to connect the body switching with dreams 
in the Masubi time to the Shinto uh, religious deity and shrine that her family uh, was priestesses of. And But they never told us over explaining it and kind of crushing the magical element and like boiling it down to like a science and here's how it works. Um, so they left it like just vague enough so that like to Taki and Mitsuwa, it's like fantastical and magical and like mysterious. And it's that exact same way to the viewers, you know? Yeah. I like how the grandma is like, she's the one that's sharing all of the culture and the history. Kind of like you would imagine if it were your own family, that mm-hmm. tradition is going to come from your grandma. And um, there's even, you know, she's quoted as saying, our traditions used to be kept in, they, they used to be written down um, on paper, kept somewhere, but there was like a fire that had gotten rid of everything, which is kind of why all of their answers or all of their questions don't have answers. They can't go back and look and see, you know, like why the first comet hit, you know, what the history of that and that, but it's kind of revealed through the grandma through word of mouth, which I really like. And I think that's beneficial to the movie. Like if the grandma came out of nowhere and just had like an answer, oh, here is why you're switching bodies or here's why you're having dreams. I think that would have like defeated some of the feeling of like, like fantasy in the movie. Like it's the movie feels grounded yet like magical. And I think it's because that they didn't over explain it and they didn't leave it too vague either. Absolutely. And the grandma was a great character just in the <laughs> humor element and, and in general. It's just very yeah, real human being. Absolutely. And let's not forget the sister. What was that sister's name? Man, she was great. <laughs> sister's name was... I don't even remember. It's like Tatsuwa or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sukasa <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Those are no, it's, no, that's a student's name. But yeah, it's... Oh, Toshiki. Yeah. Oh, God, great. No, it's Yasuo. Oh, so Toshiki must be the grandmother. It was good. It was really good. I thought that scene where the thread symbol was most like was discussed in the most on the nose sort of way, the one where they go to the shrine while Taki's in the body. I don't know if yeah. you guys know which one I'm talking about. I thought that was a one of the peak scenes in it too. As and of course when he drinks the fermented rice. Saki <laughs> yeah, that um, I did actually want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> Penny and I got a full 4D experience of that on uh, the beginning of the movie <laughs> and that scene because we were streaming it with our friend Lane, your, your friend too, obviously, James, yeah. but with our friend Lane who has seen the movie before, knew everything that was going to happen and is a massive weeb. So we got to hear <laughs> after an hour of straight silence, that scene comes on. He's holding the cup of the girl's fermented spit <laughs> and we hear lane click in and go oh yeah drink that shit brother <laughs> and oh, lost God. my mind i thought it was so oh, funny um, we almost had our first guest on this podcast it's gonna be lane. yeah i mean he was well versed in the movie if he ever came on he'd probably try and talk about it anyway yeah. um the there's there's two things that i really like that the um that the writer slash director uh did really well and uh, I think Billy, you probably be able to appreciate this, uh, having taken like, you know, like writing classes and everything. And it's that he doesn't treat the audience as stupid, and he uses two different series of montages to forward the plot um, really well. Um, so the first one is after we're introduced to them having these body switching capabilities. I shouldn't say capabilities. This, this, you know, this thing that's like invading on their lives. Um, There's then this like beautiful montage accompanied with awesome music um, about them getting used to it and like adapting to, um, you know, like each other's lives. And it also shows like them helping each other out in ways that like the original person, like the original Taki couldn't impress that woman, but Mitsuwa could. Um, So they're like complimenting each other and growing. Uh, and they skip what I assume to be a couple months at least um, of that character development and like it sticks and then we can go forward in the plot from there and mm-hmm. uh, the same thing happens in the Kuchikaze scene um, where he drinks the sake and uh, 
we get a bunch of backstory, but it's not like a flashback. It's not like Mitsuwa remembering this and right. it's kind of being yeah. cheesy. It's like he's experiencing it as an outsider. Mm-hmm. And that also helps with the the timeline because, you know, a lot of the events are not in order. Um, so, like, that kind of wraps it all up and clears up a lot when you see, you know, Mits- Mitsuha's father abandoning the faith and for kind of leaving the family. And, you know, everything leading up to that point is revealed to him, which is really important and also helps the viewer without, like you said, making us seem dumb. Agreed, yeah. Penny. Agreed. Even if you are dumb and you don't know what's going on. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. How'd she cut her hair? I missed that part of the movie somehow. I looked up and she had cut her hair. Her grandma cut it. Yeah. Her grandma cut it. Oh, actually, maybe I I did see that. I'm not going to lie. I watched it a second time, like within two days with another friend. Let's go. And Lane was there. And he's the one that said she cut her hair because she gave her ribbon, the red ribbon. She gave it to Taki. Yeah. Yeah. She came back and she couldn't tie her hair up anymore. So she cut her hair. And I never put two and two together to know that. But (laughs) thanks, Lane. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) So I also wanted to talk about if you missed it, because I feel like I missed this at least the first couple of times I watched it. Um, So a kind of a a big event of this movie is the comet striking, right? And destroying the town. It is like the Um, biggest event in the movie. Yeah, (laughs) true. But it's not the first comet to hit. um, Yeah. What's the town called? Itumori. Uh, So Itumori. Itumori. There were two prior. So the first one hit like 1200 years ago i think mm-hmm. yep. and that is where the shrine is now um, and then a second one hit and that's where like the water the lake is mm-hmm. and then the third one that's gonna hit is gonna be the one that supposedly destroys the town um but i did hear a theory that um their god which i also am forgetting the name of their their spirit i won't say god it's more like a spirit um the theory is that the comet is the spirit. Interesting. What do you guys think about that? Um, so I knew that it had struck. I, I, I remember catching it on the on the news station uh, and putting two and two together because the grandma states that the dreams started happening 1,200 years ago. Yep. And then in a few scenes later, um, uh, that there was a comet strike 1,200 years ago. So I put two and two together and thought, oh, that's where the original lake comes from. Um, But now that you say that the shrine is there, if you think about it, that's all in a perfect line. All three of those impact strikes are within a perfect line of each other, which is really cool, too. Um, So it seems like this happens at least every 1200 years. Yeah, it's like that's where the spirit lives or something. I don't know. I also I absolutely feel like the comet itself acts as a bit of a symbol for Taki and Mitsuha. And the the big example of that is like just the idea of a split nucleus and just like that relationship that they have of like one thing sort of split into two, that <coughs> bond that they have through like being threaded together by the gods and all that wonderful mumbo jumbo. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily think a spirit lives there, but I think that that's like the, like in the Shinto belief where they're just sort of creating gods for every little thing in their life and like adding significance and spirituality and reverence to the things around them, that comet becomes a spirit to Itamuri. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Itamuri. Yeah. Yeah, so do you think uh, Mitsuha's mom, you know, the grandma said that her and her her mom and uh, her grandma had gone through similar experiences. Do you think that Mitsuha's mom and dad switched bodies when they were young? No. And here's my sources for that. Because (laughs) I had not thought about this until you had just stated this. And my neurons immediately connected. And that her dad said that her mom was mentally ill. And that she had gone crazy. Um, So I think maybe she was having these dreams. And he was like... Like he thought, like her her um, her mood swings were a symptom of it, and also her saying that she was switching bodies was like a symptom of mental illness. And he stated um, that was one of the reasons why he was like displeased with her. 
I must have missed that. That's crazy. But it doesn't really reveal why she died, right? I don't think so, no. Which I like. I like that as well. He did say, I should have saved her, or I could have saved her. I remember that. But it doesn't really explain anything else. He's a really interesting character in general. The idea of a Shinto priest who leaves it to try and, like, go into local politics. Like, I wonder if that has more significance as a character type in a storyline, if you understand the Japanese history a little better. Yeah, that might be true. I do. I have no idea. I know in, like, um, Parasite, they have this whole, like, a lot of the failed lower poverty, like, lower class characters are, like, failed um, Thai cake shop owners. And that's a specific trend that actually happened in Korea not too long ago. So I wonder if there was, like, a mass exodus of Shinto priests into local politics. That'd be (laughs) mad fucking funny. Um, He did marry into the... um... The Shinto, uh, like, they were priests. Yeah, priest yeah. Priesthood. Um, but so when she, I, di- I, when she died, I guess it just kind of makes sense in the story for him to have left. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things you guys were talking about is him as a character. One of the major strengths of this movie as well is that even the side characters are so well-developed. Couldn't agree with you more. They're, they're real people. Like, this guy... He's not a one-dimensional evil mayor dad who left. It's yeah. this guy who loved this woman so much so that he dealt with her seemingly crazy family, got into the religion, and then <laughs> once she died, he was like, "I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna go, you know, try and run for mayor." And same thing with um, the boy from the town. That's what um, I was just gonna say too. He might have been one of my favorite. Ca- he might have been like top two characters. Like Mitsuha and him were probably my two favorites her boyfriend in town yeah like he was a a side character important side character but like we knew so much about him we knew that he was like forced into the family blue collar working job uh at a young age we knew that he didn't really have any aspirations and he felt like a lot of small town people feel in america i imagine uh also elsewhere they do that with like such little screen time like they get Mm -hmm. the story through and like, like you said, without over-explaining it, too. It's so well done. The the author, and I don't know if this is all in the books. I haven't read it. Uh, or manga, whatever uh, form of media it's in. But he writes people so well. Uh, and I think that is such a rare thing. Like, having good dialogue and believable characters is such a rare thing. Um, and I think he does it, at, like you said, with ease. Mm-hmm. So is anyone going to talk about how a giant asteroid falling on a town <laughs> and completely demolishing it in a Japanese movie is a clear metaphor oh, for the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Or am I going to be alone on that one? Does anyone else see, does anyone else see that really parallel? That. Did anyone else see that parallel while they were watching the movie? I did I, not. It did not going. come to mind. Oh my God, that's so crazy to me. Like I literally, I can't see it. Well, one. One, here's what I have to say. I'm of a firm believer that, you know, the culture and the history of a country has huge influence on the art that they're creating because it influences the society which creates the artists. So in a way where like Harry Potter is just a World War II book, it's just a big World War II analogy, I would also argue that this for sure 100% took heavy inspiration from that tragedy in Japan's history. But I also, I think it didn't diminish from the originality of, of it becoming such an important part of the story. Because when we first see that shot of the news footage of the beautiful little comet going through the air that they're predicting, and then we, we feel like we're building up. I wrote tons of predictions in my notes about how, oh, it's like the star-crossed lovers are going to finally meet right as the comet goes over. I thought the whole thing was going to take place in like a couple days or however long they set up and that they would meet and stop switching places but find each other in real life under the comet. That was my early game prediction right as it had started. And that ended up being so wrong. And what it really was was so much better than that, which is a perfect example of when a movie is not predictable and really good rather than just having like a dumb swerve in it for no reason, you know? Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about the red ribbon, the significance yeah. of the ribbon? So oh, yeah. if you remember when, I can't remember if Taki was in 
Mitsuha's body or not at the time. I think it was it was still Mitsuha, um, but they were doing the strings with her grandma, and she was you know saying a bunch of grandmotherly things. And one of the quotes was, <laughs> "When you keep twining like that, emotions eventually start flowing between you and the threads. One thousand years of Itamori's history is etched into our braided cords." Um, and how this this red ribbon, the one that just like the one she gave Taki, is like meaningful and part of why they're able to stay connected through their dreams and body switching. And if you remember when they meet each other at twilight, he gives the red ribbon back. And then yeah, all of a the sudden they stop, you know, they stop, they can't remember each other. They stop connecting like they used to. Wow. I never put that together. I, I do remember him giving it back to her. I remember thinking like, Oh, like this is his, he's using like Masubi like to try and change the past. Cause like that's time. He is making a different knot in like this thread. But and, it's, also, uh, it's confusing because is the ribbon, him having the ribbon, the reason they're able to switch bodies when in her timeline, she gave the ribbon to him after they started changing bodies. You know, it's one of those really confusing. You can't overthink it. Yeah, it definitely that that's a, a spot where I feel like it does time and its own specific timelines are handled extremely well because they're just confusing enough and just understandable enough to work. Exactly. Yeah. Um I always uh in in my own, you know, headcanon, um I considered the uh red ribbon, the uh the threaded um cord to not have any legitimate power. Like, I don't think that physical object was what was connecting them, but I think it was a symbol for their almost spiritual connection. Um, like, I don't think him giving it back to her is what made them forget. I think the creation of a new timeline is almost what kind of made them forget their names. Um, because like the deity, like I think the whole purpose of them being connected was the deity trying to like prevent this from happening maybe. Um, and with them being able to prevent it and create a new timeline and save Itomori, um, the deity had no more reason to like switch bodies, you know? So, so like the, the magic kind of wore off. Do you remember when Taki was in Mitsuha's body and they went to the shrine, he was bringing her, her sake, Mitsuha's sake, to the shrine and the grandma is talking about the history and i can't remember word for word but she had said um when you go to the shrine you have to leave what is most important to you like you have to leave half of you so like the idea was that they made the sake it's got her spit in it she's leaving half of her there in, you know, in return for leaving, for coming and leaving, they have to leave something most important to them. Mm -hmm. um, but if you remember, Taki was in Mitsuha's body at that time. So when he was going and leaving her sake, he was not leaving behind half of him. He was not leaving what was most important to him. So one theory is that what was most important to him was her name. And when he left, that was what was taken from him. Oh. That makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, they meet back there, they go back there together and they both leave and they didn't leave anything. So like, that's another theory of why they forgot each other's names. Would have made the, would have made it a lot easier if they remembered to bring some bread or rice. I or know. Something. <laughs> <laughs> a, you know spit. Yeah. Um, I, think oh, I think that might be one of the best scenes in the movie, by the way, when they're doing oh, the, ge the geisha dance and making this, the, from the, so cool. the so fermented cool. rice made so done so well. I watched a documentary once on like just like night entertainment, like geisha culture in Japan and like all the different varying styles and like levels of that culture throughout history as well. And just like, it just seemed so accurate from the little exposure that I've gotten watching documentaries. Like it looked so, so perfect. Um, I think that I could be confusing words. I think isn't geisha like a woman companion in, in Japanese? Well, it's not as, it's just not as simple as that is the thing. Like it just like it just expands into into their culture so deeply. Like like it's a woman companion in the way that like like an, an entertainer. Like she, like like geishas were often like very talented, like multi-talented dancer musician sort of like 
also social companions. They would sit, drink with you, like you would enjoy their company. And then occasionally also they were prostitutes. Interesting. I took this as much more of a um, non-geisha, but more like classical, traditional Shinto religious celebration. Yeah, honestly, probably is more of a Shinto tradition. Like that's Mm -hmm. probably where it comes from. But I just like immediately saw the dancing and I saw the like traditional movement and just like the, the like strict sort of cultural up, uh, like, like keeping up with this cultural tradition. Yeah. And that was what I thought of, but I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, that they were geishas in the movie. I don't think they no, no, yeah, remotely were. Yeah. Do you remember, um, were you guys paying attention? This is a test. <laughs> so the first time we do in, <laughs> don't worry, I, I have like done research on this. This is probably the only reason I know this. Um, when Mitsuha first returns to her body, like for the first time after they switch bodies and she sees the note Taki left, um, the teacher is like going on in the background about Twilight. Yeah. Which later becomes really important. Um, I did not talking, notice this personally. So she's talking about, she talks about Twilight and she pronounces it in a way uh, what is it? Tasagari Doki, um, which means who is that? Um, Ooh. And is it is the original of the word Tasagari Doki. Um, twilight, when it's neither day or night, when the word blurs and one might encounter something not human. I love um, that quote so much. And the teacher says, like, I think a student asks, like, a student questions the pronunciation of it. And she said, it's an old expression. Um, You know, we live out in the boonies here. It's probably just a mispronunciation. (laughs) And that ties back into how their traditions and documents were burned in that fire. Um, And how, let me see if I, I have some notes on this. I need to make sure I'm saying it right. So Katawari Doki is what they're thinking is the local dialect. Um, but it means a slightly different meaning, which is what I was saying earlier. It's like, who is that? But it's more than who is that? It's like, who and where? It's it's kind of alluding to that time at Twilight when they switch bodies, where it's like, who is that? But you know who that is, but it, it's just really confusing. And but... it also literally means the magic time, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's talking about so that. So interesting. You just need to go back and watch that specific scene again to understand more about it kind of just it that way you don't have to say like, oh, it's Twilight. It's magic. That's why they switch bodies like there's more to it than that. Um, I have been getting into the habit of uh, and this one, this one almost fooled me. Um, But there is a trope of and again, I think the author does this excellently of whenever someone is in a class, whatever the teacher is saying is going to be important later in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, like Battle Royale. But generally, (laughs) the focus is on what the teacher is saying. In this, the teacher, it focuses on the teacher, but then the teacher's lesson about Twilight becomes background noise to Mitsuwa looking in her her notebook with uh, Mm -hmm. the, who are you? And I was like, oh, they just needed, you know, maybe the lesson's not actually important. Yeah. Um, I was like, maybe it's not like a Chekhov's gun um, because they, they, you know, it serves a purpose for trying to get her to read her notebook. And then they did it. And I was like, You're oh, wrong. my, what a fantastic payoff. Yeah. You'll see this movie a lot of the time, a lot of the concepts behind it are. And I think like Billy was saying, how traditions really show through their art. Um, a lot of the focus is on how people are abandoning their faith and tradition and how it's hurting them as a culture. True. That is a big part of what like Mitsuha's contrast with Taki's upbringing is. I feel like yeah. supposed to show. That's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I loved um, Taki and his father's relationship and I felt like they didn't get into it enough. I think <laughs> they got into it the perfect amount. Really? I think him being like, um, like this, it's a high schooler's life, you know, like you see your parents in the morning, they say, Hey, you're up late. You were supposed to cook <laughs> breakfast. And then that's it. Like that. I feel like that is, 
I, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree, and I, I thought that there could have been, like, a couple more. Yeah, was that um, the only not, not a big complaint about the movie. Simply just, like, felt like it was such a good contrast between Mitsuha and her father's super strict conflict mm-hmm. of a relationship <laughs> that I thought it would have been nice for Taki to even, like, be like, you act too weird around dad. He, he's actually starting to ask me, like, weird questions about my behavior. And then there could have been just, like, one moment where Mitsuha got to have, like, a nice dad. That would have been <laughs> sweet as hell. Moment. That would have yeah. been sweet. Um, I do. I do. Yeah, I wish. Um, <laughs> I do love the moment. Uh, I think this movie is all about payoffs. And I love the moment where she takes, like, everything Taki has, like, indirectly and directly taught her about, like, standing up for herself and like confronts her dad and mm-hmm. barges into the room and is like, "You're you're gonna evacuate the city." Yeah, uh, that's such oh such a great and it off. works. And yeah, I think, it does work. I think at that moment, because remember he saw Taki in her body and he was like, "You're not Taki, or you're not yeah. Mitsuha." And then she comes back and it is her. I think it's like he finally gets it. Like maybe he understands what his wife was going through. Like he understands that the faith, like the spirit, is real. And I feel like that's what made him do it, evacuate the town. Um, really quickly, I do just want to rapid fire go through some of the notes I took while watching the movie. So I think some of them are wicked geek. Good, we'll um, get inside your brain. Yeah. Uh, I thought the opening credits, I had never seen opening credits to a movie that were like an intro to a show. Um, <laughs> and they foreshadowed so much in the movie. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool. Uh one thing about English is that we don't have uh, pronouns, gendered pronouns. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a funny thing. Uh, Wait, first what? Time, we don't have gendered pronouns. We don't? Wait, what? Yeah. maybe pronouns isn't the word. But yeah, English doesn't. Like, I we say do, I, do objects don't pronouns. have genders. Like, objects oh, don't oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, French yeah. I like, like that like a lot, we too. We say she did instead of did in the... Female. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, to uh, slipping up and using a bunch of female yeah. pronouns. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I thought yeah. that was that such a cool thing. And I remember in the English, like they played it up well. They they did something similar, but yeah, it's it was it was better in Japanese. <laughs> um, I thought there was such a cute and uh, purely Japanese um, thing is that they have this magical body switching thing. And I think this shows like the, the the Japanese culture is that their first reaction is to work out the logistics of it instead of question <laughs> it. They're like, "All right, we're gonna have diaries. Here are the rules. You know, <laughs> these are the logistics of this magical thing that we have." And I thought that was so cute and that awesome. Um, I also love how the character growth uh, within each other. So, like, you know, Mitsuwa inside of Taki helps him become like a better person vice versa but it's almost through like proxy wars like taki is like stop i don't want to go on a date with this person <laughs> like she's like no you're we are gonna it's cute <laughs> yeah it's um, so um i got yeah. really sad when the phone call didn't go through what's up honey? oh i know i was just gonna say uh one of our friends was asking like oh is this a romance video and i was like no well <laughs> Kinda, I guess. Um, and then the other thing is that, again, with the believable characters, um, I think Kelly, I watched this movie with Kelly, my girlfriend. Uh, I think she kind of cringed when in the first like three minutes of the movie, uh, the anime girl uh, grabs her boobs. <laughs> um, but it's really the guy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think this movie would be disingenuous um, and it shows it for vice versa too, like how she is yeah. uh, getting used to having, you know, male parts. Um, and it would be disingenuous if the movie did not literally say like, this is the first thing both people think of, because it definitely <laughs> is. Of course. Um, and I, I just geeked at that. It, I think the author just knows people so well. I agree that the author knew people really well. And I agree that uh, something that was said way, way earlier, I agree that this whole movie was written sort of like through this traditional lens and like with tradition constantly in mind and constantly at the center of the ideas that were being presented. 
which I think was great and awesome. Uh, I also think the way it subverted it was wonderful too. The city as a full subversion of this rural provincial town that we're seeing was like a perfect representation of that throughout the whole movie. Did anyone uh, not like anything about the movie? Was there one element of the movie that you can complain mm-hmm. about? I tried. I um, <laughs> like, I, like, I don't have one, so it's like I, I can't. I can't blame you. I think I spoke to Penny about this on Saturday or or, or Sunday, maybe. Is that um, I I try to view my ratings very seriously. So like when I'm thinking of all the things I loved, I try to force myself to think of nitpicks and things I didn't like, and I really had to force for like. <laughs> I, I literally can only think of two nitpicks, and that's all they are. And um, uh, completely excusable, and I don't think they detract from the movie whatsoever. But I think if I had to name nitpicks, the first one would be that uh, I don't think comets generally fall straight down. Uh, they're I think that they're generally on like wide arcs. Um, but again, that did not bother me whatsoever, and I had to really try and force a nitpick for that. Um and the other thing is that um, the the boy in the town just like uses explosives and blows up like a transformer, yeah, um, with like no consequences. But that being said, we don't know there was no consequences, and it's possible that they never found out, and they thought it could have just been a lightning strike or a forest fire because it was portrayed to be a forest fire mm-hmm. um, that exploded at the transformer and not. A, um, I know they said, is this a terrorist attack? Um, but I think, you know, especially with a comet exploding half of the town, <laughs> that something like that could be forgotten pretty easily. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and that's it. Those are like the only two things I could conceivably have a problem with in this movie. And I don't have a problem with either. <laughs> One of the biggest complaints I've heard um, watching this with people is at the end when they're in the town... And it's like they see each other and they get these feelings like, why are they just like going up to each other and saying something? Um, and then, you know, they run to the stairs after they see each other on different subways. Um, and then they proceed to just walk right past each other. And it's not until they get on either side of the stairs that they look back. I thought Taki they I thought says, they weren't going to remember each other. I was freaking I know. out. Taki I says, have... you know, um, Taki says, have, have we met? Um, but actually, my brother-in-law, Jim, told me that. In Japanese culture, it's like really emphasized not to bother others or talk to strangers on the street. Like it's very rude in their culture. So like the fact that he turned around and not just to a stranger, but like to a young woman was like, hey, hey, stranger. Do I know you? <laughs> like that was seen as very rude. So that moment before she turns around is like really suspenseful. You know what's going to happen? I think there's probably a lot of like small cultural things like that that as Westerners, we don't pick up on. And the fact that I still think this movie is like close to perfect. I I can't imagine what it's like to be someone like in Japan or someone who understands Japanese culture at a high level, like watching this movie and picking up all on all the the nuances. Right. Got to live in Japan for a few years. (laughs) Podcast three. Podcast three. (laughs) Who asked moves to Japan? (laughs) Um, one of the things that about the ending that I loved so much is that I don't think I've ever seen another movie that saves the resolution, like the absolute payoff, like the climax. (laughs) You could argue the climax is during the meteor strike, which I think it is, but I think there's a secondary climax, um, in like the loneliness and like the time skip towards the end and they leave this massive resolution and and like leaving the audience and both of the characters feeling like whole until like the very last seconds of the movie i think that is such a bold and fantastic thing to do i would argue that that is the big climax because if you remember the opening scene they're both quoting like once in a while i wake up and find myself crying and like saying that they feel like they're missing something like that is really the whole point of the movie it's not really saving the town that's kind of just like a side story (laughs) i never really i'm gonna throw out another hot take uh i never really thought it was about saving the town 
I always thought it was about Mitsuha saving herself. Um, and she wouldn't leave unless the town went with her. Um, so, like, I always envisioned it as, like, Mitsuha's, like, salvation. Not really, like, the town's salvation. I don't know. I very much took it as, like, because there's so many her two friends are involved in the plot and everything. Like, I really do feel like her part of it does become like, it's very selfless. It's not just like, I need to, her motivation doesn't seem like I need to survive to be with him. Oh yeah. No, it's very much like Taki's side of the things, which is like, I need to save this town so that I can be with Mitsuha. Whereas hers is like, I need to save this town so that the people I know and love around me live. And also the tradition, like saving her. tradition. Absolutely. yeah, it's all in her family in the town. That is her life. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree with what you guys are saying. I just didn't... Um, like, Mitsuo was very selfless. Um, but from a story standpoint, uh, I think, like, the impetus of everything that was going to happen was on Mitsuo and about Mitsuo. Yeah, I, I do agree with that, too. Um, one thing that... Uh, I've been talking mostly meta stuff, and uh, this this movie was very emotionally uh, connecting. I don't I don't know if that's the right word, but like I, I really resonated with like the emotions that were on screen, and like when Taki's like connection to Mitsuo was severed, I like that like felt like a gut punch to me, like like physically, like I like I like felt his sense of loss. And, and, and like abject loneliness mm-hmm. um, and like <laughs> when he was desperately like when we found out about like three years ago um, Itomori was destroyed and Mitsuha died like when we get that confirmation like I I personally felt like just like Taki I was like I felt desperate I was like we there needs to be a way like we have to bring her back like, I was, like, so invested in the movie that, like, his desperation to reconnect, like, I, I physically felt that desperation in myself. I was, like, that invested in the characters. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that scene where he's in the museum standing in front of the multi-paneled sketches of Itsumore, and yeah. he's just looking at it, and, like, the desolation is apparent. And like the the way the colors were structured and everything, that's one of the best shots of the movie, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Did you guys notice that on his date, the day that the the connection is severed, he goes to that photo gallery, um, with the girl. I uh, I forgot her name, but yeah, um, the girl from the restaurant. Yeah, uh, Okudera. Yeah. Um, they go to a photo gallery, and in one of the black and white like memorial pictures is the city of Itomori. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I and I didn't, I didn't pick up on like this is picture before disaster. Um, but it was very much like framed like that. And uh, just the foreshadowing in this movie. I like, know, you have to watch it so many times. Like it never gets old. You always learn something new. Um, I don't think any of us have said it. Penny briefly discussed it, but the movie is not chronological for a long time um it's it's non-chronological but linear if that makes sense um like it is showing their interactions as they happen in a linear way but and we don't realize that it's not chronological until the actual split happens and we realize this was three years ago and then it starts getting told chronologically and non-linearly like we start throwing back to three years ago and we see uh mitsua actually going to tokyo to go on the date and uh it starts getting out of chronological i mean out of linear order but it starts telling the story chronologically so it does this like reverse and it works so well mm-hmm. the whole movie has every element of it going for it <laughs> that's just something you can't Art. deny that the soundtrack perfect Every yeah. song is perfect for every scene, like you said, James. The the visual art, perfect. It is perfectly, perfectly, perfectly represents each moment of the film. And all the builds on it are perfect. Even the monotonous moments are perfect. The acting, phenomenal. The the writing and the dialogue, it's stupendous. I really I really couldn't liken this movie anymore to perfection than I already have. I gave Did it a ten know? out of ten. 
Sorry. No, you're I'm... good. What is, I probably didn't know, so I want to hear you. <laughs> Did you know that Makoto Shinkai, the director, said that he released this movie unfinished and he was not happy with it? Like, wow. He, I did not I don't know, know I that. I guess he couldn't, he couldn't, I don't know, he couldn't ever get happy with it. I don't know if he's it's just like a perfectionist thing, but people have also been telling or calling him like the new Spielberg or like the new, um, what's the other guy with a bunch of James Cameron? Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Oh, the new yeah, Miyazaki. Miyazaki. And he like, he hates it and he just wants to make something totally his own, totally unique. And people keep saying these things when really like this movie it's amazing. It is. Yeah. It is unlike anything else. I know you tried to compare it to like Interstellar, and but oh no, I didn't compare it. I I, I said that the only thing of quality like exactly. this okay. is Interstellar. Yeah. I think this is a completely and wholly unique story. So he's really just trying to make his own name, and as far as I'm concerned, he has. But I think he just he just never was satisfied with it. I thought that was interesting. It makes sense. Like some of the greatest creators in film are like that. Uh, you brought up Martin Scorsese. Scorsese's like that. He like all the big Scorsese hits he considered unfinished at the time when they were released because they just got to their they got to their timing where they had to be put out, and like he would have kept working on all of them. I know I, I saw a documentary on Goodfellas where they explained that they were sitting in the premiere and Martin Scorsese was turning to his writer. It's like the person who like literally types everything that he says for to go in the script and was like <laughs> and was like oh we should change this for this next for the next screening and the guy was like Marty relax we put the movie out today he was like it's, <laughs> it's out <laughs> which i found very very funny but i feel like a lot of filmmakers are like that is what i'm getting at um we are running out of time but i do quickly i would uh, watch wanna, more of this guy's movies is just i, I want to watch his say. next yeah. one is uh weather yeah i want to watch that maybe that'll be the next podcast i'd be um, down i just Quickly want to ask you guys your favorite scenes of this movie. Quickly. Ooh, Billy, you go first. <laughs> okay. Um, quickly is tough. I do know that we only have two minutes, so but I will think. Uh, there's just some some things that I have to throw out. The scene in the rain that is used as the little peep uh, cover for that one little peep song, that early little peep song, is incredible. The name is escaping me, and I won't waste time looking for it. But that scene's really good. The opening on the balcony with Taki honestly doesn't get much better than that for the rest of the movie as far as shots go. And, I mean, all the big moments, all the big significant act break type moments, just like hit, they all hit is the thing. And I, I think the end sequence when they're blowing the town up and they get caught and then like it really feels like all hope is lost is one of the t- peak moments of the movie as well. Yeah, I also – I don't know if I can pick one. So <laughs> – Definitely when the comet hits and you kind of just assume that everybody died and they failed. And then later you hear Taki saying, I don't know why I was so obsessed with this. This meteor hit this town or comet, whatever, hit the town and everybody survived. And then that gave me goosebumps. Yeah. (laughs) And then, of course, as a romantic, uh, the very last scene, I mean, I bawled so hard. That was one of my favorite for sure. Um, I think the two that I can't decide in, and they're basically related and very close together, is the twilight scene where the pen drops. Um, yeah, my my heart dropped like that. <laughs> that broke me. Um, and then subsequently, as Mitsuwa is is determined to save everyone, and she falls off her bike, um, or or she's running down the hill. I'm sorry, she falls down the um, hill. Yeah, yeah, and she looks at her hand. And where he was supposed to write his name, he wrote, I love you. Oh my God, dude. I, dude, if I wasn't in love with this movie before then, which I was, I was sold. I was absolutely in love. Well, and we can only recommend this movie so many times, but we will again and again and again. Your name. So, 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 so good. Even uh, after the spoilers, like, just go watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. even if you listen to this and you were like, I don't care about spoilers. I, I don't want to watch this dumb weeb bullshit. We, <laughs> we implore you. We implore you to go watch this dumb weeb bullshit because yes. it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's one of the better movies I've ever seen. Uh, and I can't thank you enough, Penny, for recommending this and opening me up to Rad Wimps as good. Same. Shouts out to my brother-in-law, Jim. Shouts out to Jim. I do it. just want to point out that Penny started this podcast idea 
starting with, uh, yeah, I don't really watch much movies. I kind of hate movies. <laughs> and then instantly, the second <laughs> podcast, she blows us out of the water and recommends with a 10 out of like, 10 film. Yeah, like, like the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Like gotta be great. The rest of this podcast is downhill. No, no, like, we'll find we'll find incredible films to watch. Yep. So that's about gonna wrap it up for the second episode, the review of your name. Stay tuned. We are gonna be posting weekly. We don't know what's gonna be the next episode. You know, we're on the fly. Yeah, it we're playing be, it. We're playing it by ear. Could be another anime movie next. It could be Chucky Three. We don't. Yeah. We don't really know. Rocky Horror um, Picture Show. Yeah, <laughs> but thank you everyone so much for tuning in we are setting up our podcast to be available on apple music and take a little bit to be verified though we are on spotify under who asked we are hosted on podbean that is where our website is there will be links in the description thank you so much for watching thanks goodbye <laughs>